You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome inside the Farm Bureau Studios. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield here in downtown Starkville. We're going to put out the Sunday coffee here on a Saturday night as uh, we're here in downtown. Charlie, we just uh, called the last two games of this three-game series. State losing its final 11 SEC games this season, swept at home by Tennessee this weekend. All right, man, um, Sunday coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, three locations. I don't have the Strange Brew right now, but I can guarantee you this. When I get up in the morning first thing, that's the first thing I will do is brew a big old pot of blueberry cobbler flavored coffee from Strange Brew. And I might add something into mine before I'm done. Cream or sugar, I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I will definitely make the Strange Brew run because I'm going to be hurting in the morning. This one, uh, it was tough. Yeah. Um, so how do we want to attack this? Do we want to attack this like we normally do on a Sunday coffee where we kind of dive into the games themselves and kind of go micro about at-bat after at-bat? Or is this the post-mortem? Is this the macro? I think we've got to go post-mortem. And I think we just kind of all – I think this is one of those days. You know, now and then we come in and we say, all right, let's have our act together. Let's be organized. I think this is one of those days where people will understand if we just are a little bit raw, a little bit uh, searching for answers, and maybe we can just kind of all get through this together. Well, we, we've kind of had the searching for answers for a while now. I mean, we were searching for answers the first weekend of the year against Long Beach State when they won two out of three. You know, we tried to tell ourselves at that time that Long Beach State was a team that's picked up win the Big West. They were going to be an NCAA tournament team. This could be a host team. And that Luis Ramirez was the second coming of Tom Seaver. And they ended up not being any good. And then the, the second weekend, you lose a Friday night game to Northern Kentucky. And not to knock them, the fine people of Northern Kentucky. The Norse. The Norse. And so let me ask you this question. Everybody talks about you know pitching on this team and about the injuries of Stone Simmons and Landon Sims. I mean, Charlie, we had lost those three games with a full deck. And so we had lost three games there, one with an RPI of over 200, two games with an RPI team of over 100 in Long Beach State. And so – yeah, I know so you you're have, just going to go ahead and cut all the way to the bone here today, huh? No, I'm, I'm just no you sugarcoating it, right? Well, let's, let's let's take a look at this. Let's let's you know take a look at the situation right here. Let's dissect the problem. All right, now here's my thing. I say we dissect the problem, but I want some Plural. solutions on the end problems. Problems. But let's let's talk let's talk how we fix it too as we go through this. Okay. But let's, first, what is it? First steps recognizing that you have a problem. Yeah, the first step is. Um, is seeing what you are, and this is this was not a good baseball team. All right, so let me ask you this, um, because everybody talks about this team through the lens of last year, you know, and I wonder if and I know we got rid of it at some point, but defending national champions, 
You've heard me say before the old Reggie Jackson line, pinstripes are heavy, and sometimes the expectations that comes with that. Being a defending national championship may have been too heavy for us. And everybody, like I was looking on Twitter, it's like, well, if you could if you could be bad one year and win the championship the next, would you do it? It's like, well, that's not really the test. Here's what I would suggest that we have to do. Let's forget all about last year. That's, let's look at 2022 as it lay. Okay, okay. Let, me, let me ask this question. I mean, let's really get in. Let's peel some onions right here. Let's, let's layer this sucker, okay? Overall in the macro, we always wanted to win the national championship. And I may be overthinking this because sometimes I'll overthink this. Did we win the national championship in the wrong year? And here's the reason I say that. Now, we go back to last year. We won the championship. Everybody talked about how everybody had so much more talent last year, and we win it, all right? And then on July 1, the day after you win the national championship, the landscape changes in college sports. You see where I'm going with this? Were we a team that won a national championship, and then all of a sudden you had – you know, the, the NIL beginning the next day, and you're unsure of how to attack that. And, you know, people have a better idea, and it's taken a year for people to get their feet up under them from that standpoint. You win a title, hey, now we can make a little money. You know, you're not sure of how to do that. Um, you know, Cameron James, can I bake some cakes to make some money? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that by, I mean, any any of these guys. And so, you know, there's just so many factors, I think, that jumps in there. You didn't have as much time as summer ball. You're trying to make a little extra money because now you can capitalize on winning the national championship. And it's almost like for three months after winning the title, what's that old adage from Bull Durham? I don't know what's on their mind, but it sure ain't baseball. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe we need that deal where uh... – Everybody in the shower, throw the bats. You hit the ball, you catch the ball. <laughs> you lollygag. Um, no, I think um, – all right, so might NIL be both the poison and the cure before we're done with this analysis? And I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with the cure. We asked the question a number of times. Many people asked the question, is winning that national championship going to lead to a hangover? Are we going to have trouble shaking it off? I don't know. I don't know if that became the hangover, but it was almost like this season got going and we weren't really ready for it. And then when you tried to hit the button, the button didn't work. Yeah, I think that, you know, we talked about early in the year about pressing. You know, we had some guys who were pressing. We had some slow starts from from some guys that you thought were going to be big parts of this team. And, hey, we heard Kyle Peterson talk about this Thursday. I went back and watched that game. And he was talking about, hey, man, I can't figure this team out because I go back and I look at guys who were big parts of last year. And you still look up and down that lineup and you see names that you recognize. And how does this happen? I think overall, and I'm tr- not trying to talk like a fan here, I'm trying to think back, you know, over my lifetime – you know, and we've been frustrated for you know forever. You live the life of Mississippi State fan, but a baseball fan at times you've had so much success. But trying to figure out another time where it's been as frustrating. I mean, 14, 13 and fourteen, you had some success. Fourteen, you got beat out down at Lafayette, even though you know you only had to beat Lafayette once. Ole Miss ends up going to the World Series that year. You you were 
runner-up in 2013, then in 15 hits, and then it was like a tailspin in that season. But then we were able to come right back in 16 and perform well and win the SEC. But I was just trying to think the other day how I was feeling in 2015. Was that year as frustrating as what we're seeing this year? This was a this was a frustrating year because one game it may be the hitting. One game it may be the fielding. For 85% of the games, the losses, you felt like it may have been pitching. You know, I saw this morning where – uh, our good friend Mark Etheridge with D1 Baseball was talking about, you know, and he was trying to write a feel-good piece about Mississippi State baseball and the fans still coming to games, and I thought it was a good piece. And he was trying to make it seem like it wasn't as bad as it is. And he said, you know, this is a team that's 26-29, and 29, but 11 of their losses have come from less than two runs, come by less than two runs. And he's trying to make the point, hey, maybe it's not as bad as you think. I'm sitting there going, man, that's – that's 18 other losses that you lost by more than two runs. Well, what about this one? Within the SEC, 10 times, I think it is, you are tied or leading in the seventh and lost. So out of those 30 games. And I, I'm, I think back to last year, you think about the pressure it put on an opposing team in trying to beat us, knowing that Landon Sims was back there. It was almost like the opponent came into a ball game knowing they had to do enough outscoring of us in the first six innings against our nine because they didn't they, they weren't going to have a chance in the final three. Now it's almost kind of different this year, right, where it was kind of almost like here lately we couldn't pitch the first inning. I don't know what that was about. But we haven't been able to pitch well in the back end of games, and it's almost like we better score enough one through six to survive what's coming later. And when you when you can't pitch it up and down, and then I go back to this, and this is not, I want to be very, very clear, this is not a knock on any of the guys we have, but there is a difference in being a piece and being the piece. Guys like Tanner Allen, going back to the, you know, pinstripes being heavy, that guy could wear anything and loved it and didn't care. Rowdy was that way. Bednar apparently was <laughs> because of how he was at the end. That's asking a lot of somebody. Some people just aren't that guy. Some people just are who they are. They're a 300 hitter. They're not always a 389 hitter. And going from that point to the alpha dog, you know, we saw that first weekend against Long Beach State. Yeah, they came out and they looked like the more alpha dog team. This t- this past weekend, and I know a lot of people don't like the Tennessee Annex, and if you're a purist in the game of baseball, you, you start referring to them as you know new money <laughs> coming to the coming to the uh, the family reunion, and you know just just cashed out a little bit. Um, but when you look in that dugout, and you look in that roster, and you look at what Tennessee has, and then you start. We, we said this last year against Arkansas. The difference in you and what the best team in the country is. Okay, that's what we did last year against Arkansas, and it wasn't that big of a chasm. It is now, buddy. Now Tennessee has a chasm with one versus ten. Okay, I mean they're they are a legitimate, really good. I don't think I've seen in years past a team have a pitching staff that has the velo. Here's the thing that stood out to me about Tennessee is their lack of walks. Three guys on that roster had double-digit walks. That is amazing. We had 12. 
<laughs> and so, I mean, think about that. Oh, and they threw a lot of innings. I mean, we got guys coming in throwing forty innings. They got five walks. But let me ask. Well, I think a lot of that plays into the, the factor of how good their offense is and how many home runs they hit. Because a lot of times they're pitching with a lead. And so, what are you going to do with a lead? Throw strikes. You're going to throw strikes. So, I want to talk about this kind of alpha thing a minute because I think there is something there. I don't care for the jackets. I don't care for the single finger salutes to the outfield. I don't. Those things drive me nuts. I hate it. But I think we have gotten in sports right now really confused between the idea of celebration and intensity. It drives me nuts, and you'll hear this from me in October, where they got the turnover chain and the the sledgehammer. We we got to have a, a different gimmick for everything. Just go, just go get the football and let's shut up. And now I'm going to say something real quick, and I want to publicly thank Kellum Clark oh, right yes, here. Yes, yes. I want absolutely. to publicly thank Kellum Clark right here. He hits a home run in the latter innings, eighth inning, ninth inning, whatever it was in the game today. I guess it was the ninth inning. Opposite field home run makes it ten to five. He hits home plate. He comes over there. All of our guys have come out of the dugout getting ready to do the jumping up in the wolf, whatever. And he was like, no, 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 no. Everybody go back. He in the waved dugout. it off. He, he waved it in, off. And I, I was very impressed I was, that. Then that was Kellum saying no. Now, Chris Lamonis the other night when Tanner Leggett hit a home run to make it 23-2, to two, he told everybody to stay back. Now, we still hit the lights and we did the, flight, the flash bulbs and all that stuff. And Tanner Leggett – you know, pimped it and you know, did a bat flip when you're getting beat 23-2. to two. That may have been a low point of the season for me. But at that time, we were like, no, we're not going to do that. And so I go back to your point. It's one thing to do it for intensity purposes. It's it's another thing for, a, you know, a look at me. Well, and, and my point is you can be intense without having to do all that stuff. Here's what I saw about Tennessee when I think about it. Like, again, I hate all that other stuff. Everybody was on the dugout. Everybody's engaged. I mean, there was no messing around that dugout. And they take the personality of their coach, and they're they're on the fence ready to go. And they hit that way. I mean, they come to the plate. You know, it was almost like you've heard it said before. Some guys go to the plate with a mentality of, I have to face this guy. Other guys go to the plate with a mentality of, this guy has to face me. Yeah, that Those was it. guys have that mentality. You know, I'm, again, I'm guilty of being old school, but let me be clear. I'm old school, and I'll go kick some dirt on the plate, and I don't mind getting dirty and throwing inside and doing some of that stuff. But I, I just don't care for all the gimmicks. What I want to see, and, you know, look, Tanner Allen came to the – and I'm not – there are others. This isn't like he was the only guy to ever do this. But, you know, let's go back in time. And, again, I know there are people wanting to throw something right now hearing me say this. It's a different game, Charlie, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying I take it all away, but what I'm saying is this. Do you ever see Will Clark hitting a home run and jumping up and yeah. bumping forearms with somebody? Now, that's not to say he wouldn't let the pitcher hear about it. That guy had an edge, but he didn't have all the nonsense. And I'm, I'm not knocking us. It's, that's – that's just a little baseball rant, sorry. But as we rebuild and as we start over, I want to take some of the good from Tennessee, leave the nonsense aside. Yeah, have the swagger. I mean, and that's 
to be honest with you, when you look at the teams, and we've talked about this in detail, about the number of guys like Kendall Graveman, you know, a Brandon Woodruff, a Hunter Renfro, an Adam Frazier, and what made those guys and Tanner Allen and Jake Mangum, what what made those guys so good is they could be a speaker for you at an FCA event and be really good and it be from the heart and it would be a legitimate, very good, touching moment. But when that guy walked out between the lines, he had a different switch that flipped. And not and it, in a derogatory way. It was not derogatory and it was never a look at me thing. And so Yeah. I, and it found it sounds like I'm taking shots at our guys now. I'm not. That's not it's not at all. What I the what got me going down that line was I want Tennessee's edge. I don't want their annex. No. Let me ask you this question. And I'd love to go back, and I'm probably going to watch this over as far as the weekend series because I normally do. I wonder how many times they took fastball. You start thinking about how many – do we have any call third strikes on fastball? Wasn't many. That was a team up there hunting fastball. Oh, boy, howdy. I mean, they got up there, and it was one of those deals of if you threw a fastball near the, near the strike zone, they were swinging at it. It's kind of like Rooker in 17. You know, it was almost like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to swing at the breaking ball. I'm going to wait till this cat throws me a fastball, and I'm just going to unload on it. And it was, it was almost like they had eight of those guys that I don't care about slider. Well, a slider would get, you know, back every now and then. But when you fall behind, you get behind 2-0 or just 2-1, sooner or later you're going to have to throw a fastball. It was to me like they were up there just hunting fastball, and I am going to turn it around. And everybody talks about Tennessee being a home run hitting team, and they are more home runs than anybody else in the BB Core era, which began in 2011. Are those BB Core bats? <laughs> well, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> we might have some comparisons to some old LSU teams as well, but I'll, I'll leave all that aside for now. Were you a Mark McGuire fan? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, big Barry Bonds guy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, here's the bottom line, though, man. Those guys hit for average, too. It's not like it's the Joey Gallo approach where I'm going to hit 20 home runs, strike out 80 times. They put it in play. They do. And so, all right, let's talk about trying to fix this. This was a frustrating year, and we all have talked ad nauseum. We've talked about this for 15 weeks. Okay, here's where we think we're deficient. Here's where we think we may be okay. Hey, before we do that, let's do remind everybody with Strange Brew Coffee, you have the three locations – Two here in Startville, one on University Drive. That's the one I usually go to. Spring Street, Highway 12, that's the original. And then in Tupelo as well, the Brupolo. Colstone Creamery, Shane and the gang. They have Woody's in Noxipater. That's the mall of East Mississippi over down in Noxipater. But they sell it at Strange Brew Coffee. And go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, and they can ship it to you. And once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios. Go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Go to favorites.com. I saw Michael Vick, my Farm Bureau agent, walking into the stadium earlier today and talked to him. He said, hey, when is that house going to be built? And I was like, hey, you, you're waiting to get that commission is what it is. And I know what it is. But no, those great guys, great customer service at Farm Bureau. And, uh, you know, Charlie and I did not do a show this past week during the week, and simply because what else can you say? We, we, we've been in the mentality of a lot of, of fans because we are fans. And, you know, and why we, pile on? And it's no, it does no good for us to pile on. And then that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to, to take shots at guys. And and um, there really really wasn't anything 
to say. And so we missed our midweek show and uh, our good friends at Heartland Catfish. And we talked about Heartland and Golden Chick a week or so ago and all those locations in Texas and Heartland Catfish producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find right here in the Mississippi Delta, about a two-hour drive west of here in Starville over in Itabina. We've got the, all the farms, the, the ponds, and they process it. They put it in great restaurants throughout the southeast, and we talk about the Golden Chick restaurants in the state of Texas. And so, anyway, Charlie – how do we fix this? And here's what here's what I've talked to so many people about. We talk about our text groups all the time, and so many you know so many texts I've gotten in the past few weeks have been about how you fix this and how easy this fix is going to be. Uh, and and I, I just hey, I mean, so I, I want to say it's going to be easy, but I don't know how easy it's going to be. Well, keep in mind that I said coming into this year that we were going to be bad next year because of all the people who could be leaving and the way things were lining up. I thought next year would be a year that we took a step back. And admittedly, then I thought we would be coming back because we have so, we're doing such a good job recruiting. But that helps a little bit away. And so now there's a lot more urgency to have to. I was kind of hoping next year would be the year we could all suffer through one. So now if you want to avoid it, what's the, what's the word we all use now? portal the problem is you got a lot a lot of needs the portal can help you the portal is necessary some of these guys are going to have to go up to massachusetts and get better but you're going to have to go i mean think about what you might need let's start on the mound okay let's start at pitching and first of all let's let's think about it and and i know the portal has changed in the past year and this past year was really the first year that the portal may have changed some and you think of teams like A&M. Right, right now, in my mind, that's a team that's competing in the SEC West, and they went out and they hammered the portal last year, and that's what people are talking about. People are talking about LSU and Jay Johnson coming from Arizona and LSU hammering the portal and having a new team. But if you really look at it, A&M only has seven guys in the portal that they brought in. Now, they brought some, you know, they brought Clonch in, they brought Moss in and all these guys. They brought in some good pieces. LSU brought in some good pieces, but they only brought in six. We're talking well, about – That's total. That's not just necessarily yeah, even last year. We're talking about, you know, if you want to go and, quote, unquote, hammer the portal and you start looking up and down about guys that are going to be here and guys are, you know, that are leaving on the pitching staff, I mean, we're talking about in the back of our mind, and some of the, my buddies' minds, you're talking about going and hitting a portal for seven or eight pitchers. All right, so there, let's start with that. Uh, let's start with the question of what does it mean to, quote, hammer the portal. I think you've defined it pretty well because the teams – look, man, we built LSU up to be this, this transfer U. They have six guys on their roster who played at other schools before playing at LSU. A&M has seven. And what are they? 17, 13, 18 wins. I mean, it's not like either one of them hit the portal and all of a sudden became juggernauts. All of them are still playing behind Arkansas. Yeah. And LSU, you know, swept Vanderbilt this past weekend, but they were swept at home last weekend. And so it's not necessarily a cure, but here's where – so I guess if we say we're going to hammer the portal, how many guys are you willing to have on this roster next year who are transfers? I don't and know. keep in mind, when you do that, what's it going to do? If you go, quote, hammer the portal and you go get a center fielder, 
now there's no doubt what the kid from Texas does who signed with us. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do you what are you saying to the guys you've signed if you go in and bring people over them? And so then you ask the question too, okay, hey, let's let's go get some guys who have proven it and instead of high school seniors. All right, well, okay. Everybody talked about Tennessee. We've talked about Tennessee. Man, you look at the transfers they got, and we said this early in the season. Well, Halverson never pitched. Dolander's really the only guy. They're not playing a bunch of transfers. They had two guys on a weekend rotation that are true freshmen. And so they're just getting good. They're, they're recruiting at a high, high level right now, Tennessee. And so and you cannot – that's done for next year. Yeah. You know, so even if you took exception with our recruiting – Bring in Tennessee's on top of our recruiting. It ain't going to help us now. So then it goes to the when point. When I say recruiting staff, I mean. Let me ask this question. I mean, is it – and we've talked about this a little bit when, on our one of our frustrating days about a month ago. I mean, is it an evaluation issue or is it a development issue? It's got to be something. And it might be both. Um, we just don't know. Because you you look at – I mean, you start looking at some of these numbers you got right now. And then you start looking, and okay, we had some guys leave last year. Man, you wish you had a, a Rokos or you, know, you wish you had a Xavier Lovett. You wish you had a Dylan Carmouche. You, and none of their numbers were any I mean, good. You look at their numbers this year. Carmouche was the only guy who did anything at all and down at Tulane, but even he was an ERA of four and a half. Um, and so. Man, you look at some of these ERAs, and this is not a, I mean, I, I'm trying to not, to, I'm not knocking at all. Um, but let's look at next year. Okay, let's look at next year on the mound. Cade Smith left today injured. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not exactly sure what it is, all right? Preston Johnson, Brandon Smith, both went through senior day, all right? So then let's think about this. Stone Simmons. We won't be back. Tommy John won't be back. Not in time to pitch. Brooks Auger. Won't be back. Won't be back. Not in time to pitch. Landon Sims, he's gone. Hey, it was great to see Landon throw out the first pitch left-handed yesterday. I mean, that guy, hey, thank you. Appreciate you. Preston Johnson, Brandon Smith, thank you all. Appreciate you. All right, so you're, you're talking about having, if nothing is bad wrong with Cade Smith, having Cade Smith back in your rotation next year. All right, Drew Talley, he was a senior. Did he go through senior exercises today? I didn't see. I didn't see it. Okay, Pico, Pico Khan, he'll be back as a sophomore. All right. Parker Stanett. And by the way, I think you have now covered everybody when you say Drew Talley and Cade Smith. I think that's all the pitchers on our roster with the ERA under three. Excuse uh, me, under four. Under four. Those are the only – got two guys coming back with an ERA under four. Parker Stanett had an ERA last year of two-something. And we don't know what's up with him. We don't know what's up with Parker. Does he come back? I don't know. Six one two ERA this year. Casey Hunt seven four six ERA this year. Does Casey come back? I don't. I don't know. Fristo seven nine six earned run average. Gave up forty four hits in thirty seven innings. Teams hit two ninety seven against him. Will he be back? I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know what the what the future holds. Cole Cheatham, a freshman this year, had a nine point two four earned run average. Mikey Tepper, a 9.49 earn run average. Tuller and Walling went through senior day. And then Jack Walker, the freshman, had an ERA of 12.86. That's what you got coming back. All right, so then all of a sudden, let's open the door for transfers to come in. 
We're not talking about the transfers going out. All right, so here's what I would say is when you start to look at transfers coming in, I think the easiest place to bring in transfers in big numbers, when we talk, quote, hammer the portal, is pitching because there were innings to go around. You can figure out something to do to get guys turns across the mound. And we've done that in the past. You think of Zach Neff, you think of J.P. France, you think of Dunlavey. Dunlavey coming in, he was okay. And so we've had some success with some pitchers in the past. And you're not blocking people. No. You know, when you do that. Um, When you bring in a catcher, when you bring in a first baseman, you know, you're going to go get a first baseman. we got Hunter Hines. What are you going to tell him, sorry, you're going to be a DH again? So you got to be careful where you're going there. Pitching, though, look, you, you got to do something. Here's the, here's the challenge, right? Right now, if you gave me our entire roster, we don't have the makings absent development, which is possible. We've seen it. I'm not, I'm not writing off the chances. But we didn't have a legitimate starting rotation in league play once we got to it. The other thing we didn't have was relief pitching that we could count on. And so I want to posit a theory to you. One of my theories is that when you go down to high schools, and look, I'm, a, I'm still a big high school recruiting guy, but one of the dangers of going to recruit high schools is the type of guys who are signing, none of them have been trained as relievers. Nobody who has the ability to walk across a D1 mound is pitching an inning in a midweek game in a high school. I mean, right? No. They're putting them in the rotation. They're starting right. them. They're throwing them. And so you almost wonder – if you have guys that show up and just aren't in the mindset of being relief pitchers, and is that the chance to go into the portal and to go to a Kent State and say, hey, this lefty gets outs, and this lefty gets outs against big teams. Let's get that guy. And I, I'm not targeting anyone. I know of no one. So let that be explained. I'm not tampering. I'm just positing a hypothetical. Do you have to specifically target guys with a relief pitching mindset? Now, we're discounting junior college guys as well. I mean, you're going to have some JC guys come in, you would think. Or do you put them in the categories of high school guy? Well, let me ask you this. When, name for me, the last elite Friday night starter in the SEC who came from a JUCO. Alabama had a Friday night guy. Their Friday night guy's a JUCO guy. But I can't even recall his name, so that kind of answers that question. I mean, Cliff Lee. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not. I'm sure there there are some, but not your front line guys. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, you've heard me say this all the time. Like, there's not a bigger Preston Johnson fan than me. I thought that guy pitched his heart out the other night. Love the guy, but in a perfect setting, wouldn't he be the guy you've still got coming in from the bullpen, or that you're starting on Sunday? He was the guy you would have brought in from the bullpen last night in seventh inning. Yeah. That's the guy. And so I, I understand, too, we looked at each other on the broadcast after the first two hits last night in the eighth inning. And you looked at me and were like, hey, you got to go get him. But then, you know, we hit the cough button and look and say, who are you going to get him with? I mean, is was what you're bringing in from the bullpen better than what Preston Johnson was at that time? And so it's kind and of a quadrant. by the way, he got two outs on three pitches to start the inning and – and so you do know that, hey, we've gotten hammered in the pen. Do you really trust your pen? 
And so I could see both sides of that equation last night. Now, it's easy to sit there and say, well, Chris Lamonis, man, he leaves the pitchers in too long. But, I mean, have you seen anything to make you want to trust what's coming in? Yeah, that's the – we've tried everything. There, there, were, there were no more buttons to push. I mean, who is accused – when have we ever gotten together and said, man, Lamonis doesn't do enough? He tries stuff. All right, so let's go back. You said, how do we fix this? My prescription is this. Number one, you just got to hope Cade Smith is healthy, and I'm going to assume that he is for these purposes. Cade Smith is an SEC starting pitcher. He'll be okay. Then you've got to hope that Preston Johnson comes back. He went through graduation, and I don't, I don't know anything about any of what these guys are going to do. But you would certainly love to have him back. You've got to go get some guys, right? You've got to go into the portal and find some guys who are front-line pitchers. And you probably need at least two starting pitchers in the portal. And I'd take three. But let's say this. Can we agree that as a fundamental baseline, you better go get two legitimate SEC starters through the transfer portal? No, absolutely. Yeah. At least two. And then can we agree that you've got to go find a dominant closer somewhere? Yes, because look on that who's coming back. Who's your dominant closer out of everything there? Because the thing is, if you have somebody coming in who's a big-time closer, if you have some guys coming in who are dominant front-line starters, it gives these guys room to grow without the pressure to do it, right? You're not throwing them away, but what now what you have is you've got the chance to take that step forward and earn your spot, but without, without that being our only option. All right, we've just talked about pitching. What about lineup? Yeah, and let's be clear because I think one thing that has been a little bit unfortunate is as much as I believe this is a pitching issue, and I've said that repeatedly, that ain't the only issue. No. That's not the only issue. I mean, you look at the game today, we had four errors. And you look at – And look at how they came, That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like there was a hot shot that ate up your shortstop. I mean, we lost two players on one pitch. Because you're not communicating between a shortstop and a left fielder. You're not communicating and there. And that's guys who've played there. Guys who have played there. You look at a catcher's interference. I mean. But catch- then then yeah. you drop a ball out there. But here's the worst. Yeah, the, the rundown play. I mean, the, the rundown play and, you know, not forearm faking and and just did not look comfortable at all on the rundown play. Yeah, and so let me flesh that out. Basically, once that ball goes to the second baseman and you're making that run Back to first, you got to make an arm fake right there. You got to get the guy off of third. To try to get him further off third, and now you know where he is. He breaks. You can turn and throw. They did it right because we didn't make that fake. And once the ball goes to the first baseman, the guy can break. The first baseman is running away from his target, and you can say, "Well, I mean, think about how many times we've been able to say youth and inexperience." Yeah. That, there was nobody young and inexperienced in that play. Well, in the ninth inning, get, get thrown out trying to stretch a single to a double. And again, he's throwing out a mile. We had a guy thrown at the play Thursday night and in a you know, 20 to nothing game that was thrown out a mile. Uh, you think about today, a ground ball to third with the bases loaded, and you've got somebody essentially jogging between second and third. It makes it an easy play. I mean, it's not just errors. I mean, there's a lot of mental errors 
going on. And, I know, and so that goes back to the point of what I'm – You could see Kyle Cheesebro. It was just like – What are you doing? I mean, like, and, you know, at some point – So does that factor into did – this, did this team quote-unquote quit? And I brought up the point last weekend about, hey, you know, you you see this team doesn't quit because you built out leads in the, in the first few innings against Texas A&M after you lost the night before. But you you kind of wonder about you talk about that alpha dog mindset. It's almost like the first time we saw you see anything negative happen, that this team really didn't have the ability to turn it back around. And I think it's a little bit different than quitting, because quitting implies that kind of we had it to begin with. You know, <laughs> and that's not a knock. But what I'm saying is this team just never had that edge. And look, it's tough to do. It's tough to say to your guys. Show up at the ballpark and play with an edge. Oh, by the way, Landon Sims is going to be wearing a brace. Stone Simmons is going to be wearing a brace. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to make excuses, but part of having swagger is believing what you're selling. I mean, it's real easy to be the 96 Bulls and, you know, show up with swagger. It's a lot harder, you know, to be the Mets. I mean, you think the Cleveland Cavaliers were rolling into a series against the Bulls with swagger? You know, the, the swagger to some degree comes from from the ability to know you can do it, right? A&M was – not A&M. Tennessee was playing with a swagger. Under t- Tony Vitello, they played with a swagger even though at times they were, you know, okay. And they got really good last year. And you kind of wonder if that swagger – The swagger brought the talent? Is that is the, that swagger the lead br- element? Yeah, the swagger brought the talent. Does it make it more fun? I'm just asking. Maybe for some people. Is it more chic? I don't know. I Just find me a bunch of Tanner Allens and I'll be okay, right? I mean, I never felt like Tanner Allen was a clown. You no. know what I'm saying? I mean, what's the worst thing you could have said about Tanner Allen was the pants. <laughs> I mean, that, that's but that's as bad as it got, right? Yeah. I mean, you just never felt like there was any of that there. And, and again, I feel like it's unfortunate – because it sounds like I'm complaining about our guys. It's kind of like this. I can go home today, and I can yell at my son all day. He can have all the swagger in the world. He's not going to be a 400 hitter on a college baseball team. At some point, people just are who they are, right? Right. You know, I can yell at my cat all night. It's not going to become a dog. Well, I think there may have been a meme about that, but we need some dogs. And you just – and I think some of those guys are coming – but we need a, a few quick transplants, I'm afraid. And then then you've got the other question of the draft coming up. You know, what are we going to have there? You know, there are some guys who I think have a chance to be back and probably wouldn't be very happy to hear me say this. But where – you know, Cumbest is gone. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, Logan Tanner's gone. Right. But right now, where would you put the draft stock of some of the other guys? I don't know. All it takes is one team. That's the thing, right? Somebody take a flyer, and so you just don't know. And look, heck, it, you go back to things that hurt us this year. Houston Harding wasn't drafted. Right. And what if you got him back? How much of a different team are you coming into this year if you have him? It kind of goes back to my initial point about you know last year with the bake sale mentality of you know, signing a bunch of balls and trying to figure out how to get NIL money. And now all of a sudden everything is kind of laid out there in a more concise way 
and not you can't recruit off in an IL, and we both know that. But you do understand with this fan base, you do understand you know playing in front of a passionate group that you know these guys have had NIL opportunities that a lot of teams and a lot of programs have not had, and so you kind of wonder what if, that leads to. If it's not done right, it can be a real problem, and we're going to see places across the country not do it right in a lot of different sports, and they're going to suffer from it. And so I hope and I believe that we've got it right. Now we got to make it work. And once again, we're brought to you by our good friends at Trax Plus, Trax Plus with four locations. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton between Startwell and Columbus. Our good friend Ken Crosby down in Hickory, Mississippi. Grish Howell in Summit, Mississippi. And then Hoop Williams over in Alexandria, Louisiana. You've got that great barco equipment for the Forester, the Saney Excavators and Mini Excavators, Massey Ferguson tractors and implements, and you've got a great array of used equipment down at the Hickory location. And so our good friends at Trax Plus just keep on growing leaps and bounds. They're about to announce a couple of new locations as well. And so go to TraxPlus.com to learn more about Trax Plus. All right, Charlie, we're going to come back. It's not like we're going to you know go away for the entire summer. Of course, we'll have football and we'll have our Tracks Plus deep dig in the football season and Sunday coffee and and all kind of things. We'll have our, you know, out of left field show. And so we'll come back in the um in the next week sometime. I don't know if we go post mortem again and tell you the same things because there's really not a whole lot to say other than the draft needs to happen and then all of a sudden you need to get some guys in here in a hurry. First of all, R.J. Yeager, thank you for your service. Great job. 18 home runs this year. He leads the team in hitting, hitting 317. Cameron James at 303. Brad Cummins at 302. Hunter Hines hit an even 300. You feel and there's a bright spot, you know. There's a bright spot. Negatives. You know, we didn't talk about him. What can you build around? A freshman that hits 300 with 16 home runs in this league? There you go. Forsyth ends the year batting 273. Would you take that right now Absolutely. next year? Absolutely. If you let me ask you this question: If you were to ask me, February the fifteenth, if Lane Forsyth or Kellum Clark would have a better batting average, what would you have said? This is not a knock at Kellum; he had better, you know, power stats. Twenty-seven of his forty-eight hits were extra base hits, but he had two fifty-seven, and he picked that up. Of course, went three for four today, but past that. Did you get enough? Did you see enough of Aaron Downs? Did you see enough of Slate Offord to kind of know what you've got in the future there? Now you wish you had seen a little bit more. As you know, as things were going negative. Uh, at least kind of do a little testing to see what you got. But l- let me say this, and I, I think it's important because I I know that when things go bad, it's going to be real easy to think negative and think bad bad about this team. And you know what? some of the most special memories that we'll have came to us from a lot of these guys. Oh, absolutely. And and I appreciate every single bit of it. You know, if Logan Tanner never wears a uniform here again, and I expect he won't, man, I wish the absolute best for that guy. Tanner Um, Leggett, Braylon Skinner. They'll be legends. Braylon Skinner had a good weekend this past weekend. I was so proud to see Braylon have a good weekend. And so, yeah, a lot of these guys, they played their last game and they brought something that, Nobody else had ever brought this fan base. And, uh, yeah, you you're definitely thank them for that, and you look for the future. Hey, here's the thing, Charlie, and, two, you know, I don't, I don't want to 
get too deep in the woods here, but so many times when when you start thinking about fall ball and you start thinking about spring and before you get into to, to play, so many people get so hung up now in velocity. And so Ben Joyce today, Ben Joyce is a guy that throws 104 miles an hour. And how many pitches? All, every fastball he threw was over 100 today. I don't remember one below it. But you know what? We turned some around. We turned a lot around. So what does that tell you about Velo? You got a guy on the mound that throws 103. In the first pitch to Lane Forsyth, he pulls to the third baseman. That tells you a lot about this league if you just go by RPM and fastball and miles per hour. That shows you right there that it's not just about velocity. And so I want to see, not only do I want to see velocity, now let me be honest with you, there's not many 87-mile-hour fastballs in the major leagues right now, but you do have to John Tudor's not around anymore, right? No. Um, No, that's right. Look, you love velocity, but I go back to thinking about these guys who learn to pitch before they develop their velocity. And that was the one thing I'll say about Joyce. He threw strikes. He doesn't walk guys. And so, I mean, he can throw it hard, but he throws it in the zone. You yeah. got to pitch first, velocity second. So, I don't know. You mentioned kind of where do we go. I think we probably need a little time just to step away, clear our heads. I hope that, you know, I know this has been raw today. I hope that it hasn't come across as too negative. It's, it's look, man, we're just leaving two days three days really of watching baseball, two calling it. It's been a frustrating year, and I kind of just wanted to get it all out and maybe start to start to get, a, get in my head the, the idea of doing better. I'll tell you this. The one thing that I just that drives me crazy is, like, and I don't engage in fights on Twitter like I used to, but, you know, the Lamonis is on the hot seat. So just stop. Yeah. Stop. That's just – I mean, just – Come on, let let's let's be sensible here. Let's just let's quit every time you know. Let's quit every time something goes wrong. We got to start talking about firing people, firing athletic directors. Look, let's just talk about fixing the problem, and let's let's just be sensible about it. And it's a problem that can be fixed. I think sometimes with with social media and with the world today. We see somebody make a statement, and we're going to go more scorched earth than they are. You know what I'm saying? We're going to—I got to one up them to say some craziness, and I think you just see a lot of craziness right now from media, from people who are fans, and and things of that nature. And um, hey, we—I um, want to look at the positive of this. Was this year fun? No. I mean, was this was this show? I mean, I hope it wasn't negative. I'm Man, like you, Charlie. Thanks to everybody who suffered through it with us. Yeah, I mean, we, hey, we were there, man. Hey, and, and listen, we said it on the broadcast today, and, and Benny and that whole crew that does such a great job of bringing to the broadcast, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. It was not – sometimes it was not fun. Sometimes the hardest thing to do, Charlie, is not be a fan on the uh, – you know, on the broadcast. And you <laughs> today between innings, you, you looked at me and I'm like, well, Bart, now, hey, there's another base hit to right field. You know, you, you, try not to, you try not to be that guy, but sometimes it creeps up because you care so much. And I, I think that's the thing is we got a lot of guys that, uh, that care about this program. Hopefully we can get this thing turned around in the immediate future. So, hey, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. A little bit of rambling today. It's raw. It's kind of raw audio for you just to uh, 
hey, that's kind of how we feel right now. It's kind of been a season where you beat down a little bit. Thanks to our fine sponsors, of course, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Our good friends at uh, Strange Brew Coffee House, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can order the coffee, the mugs, whatever you need at Strange Brew Coffee House. And if you're in Starville, make sure you go by and see those folks and, or in Tupelo as well, the three locations down. Our good friends at Heartland Catfish, Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find. And once again, the Golden Chick in the state of Texas. Bank First, better way to bank. Locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. Go to bankfirstfs.com. Our good friends at Tracks Plus. Country Pleasing Sausage. Startwell, Mississippi's college town. Hey, they'll have a lot of different things going on during the summer. Go to startwell.org for any information you may need as far as making your plans to come to Startwell, whether it be dining or events or things of that nature. Go to startwell.org. Charlie, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back sometime within the next week, I would think, after we clear our heads a little bit. And uh, Hey, I want to drop in one more thing I forgot to, a little P.S. here. Okay. As I was walking out of the stadium today, I saw our team out there signing autographs for a bunch of little kids. Um, I don't want anything at all that this season or anything else to take away from what a special place we have. And the fact that these are a lot of really good guys. The the number of fans that we had out there the past three days on a team losing its ninth, 10th, and 11th in a row in league play, you know, we've still got something special. It won't be down that long. It just can't be. No. All right, Charlie. Enjoy the company. Sometimes, uh, I mean, I, hey, I think we just had to get out our thoughts right here. So, uh, once again, thanks to all of our great sponsors. Appreciate you guys listening to us throughout the year. Appreciate you guys you know, texting us, tweeting us during the season when we're on the broadcast. We thoroughly enjoyed it. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys listening to Sunday Coffee here on a Saturday night.